Hey, glad to have you on the Dog Disruption Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Titus, and got a great show for you today. I'm going to actually step outside of training a little bit and talk about a really unique and exciting police canine story with uh, my partner and I that we're in. In uh, studio today, of course, I've got uh, my left-hand lady, my beautiful wife, Leslie, and our producer, the brains of the operation, Adam Contos. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good because I'm excited to share this story. Uh, when I tell this story uh, to friends and to other canine handlers, uh, people seem to really enjoy it and really get an understanding and respect how important these dogs are. Yeah, I, I love this story. It just... It's one of those that's out of left field. You just, you don't see it coming and, and you had to, you had to react. You had to do something. And I, I can't wait for the, the listeners to hear this. This is really cool. Yeah. It's um, one that uh, I can honestly tell you it changed the way I look at police work and police dogs in my career. It completely changed the way that, um, the way I deploy and the way mentally I think about things when I'm out there searching for bad guys. Very cool. Leslie, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Adam? Fantastic. We got, we got some more mics in the uh, studio here, so we, uh, we don't share microphones anymore as much. <laughs> We're upgrading. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, Dog Disruption Podcast is legit. <laughs> We're not messing around. That's so, right. I'll pass it off to you guys. Have fun. Oh, thank you. All right. So this is uh, a story that happened uh, probably 10 years ago or so, and uh, this is my second dog, Stinger, that uh, you guys have heard me talk about. Uh, an amazing dog. He was really something else. Very special to, to me, to our family, um, especially once he retired. Uh, he actually became Leslie's dog and best friend. He kind of kicked me to the curb because he got to stay home with her and, and uh, get treats and love on and lay in front of the fireplace while I'm out there going to work, and, uh, which is good. He, he deserved it. I'm really happy he had that opportunity to hang out with you. I mean, you guys truly, you ended up being, becoming best friends. It was a priceless relationship. It was. We're at work and we get a call. Uh, one of the operations that we do uh, on the SWAT team is we go out and apprehend fugitives. And as I've said before in the past, these fugitives are, these guys are the worst of the worst in society. These are really, really bad guys, or they wouldn't send a, a, a full-time SWAT team to go out and get him. Uh, this guy was wanted for actual homicide, I believe. Uh, in, in they had him on a couple, but uh, they believed he had done uh, maybe one or two more. Very, very bad guy. So we, the detectives, find this guy in a house. They call us up, and we roll up. In uh, we're very, very blessed in Denver to have the team that we do and the equipment that we do. So we roll up. This guy is known to be armed, of course. He, he's uh, actually wanted for killing uh, people. So we roll up, and we have two armored vehicles, one in the back, one in the front, and we basically surround the house, just like you would see on TV. Hey, you inside the house, come on out with your hands up, that kind of stuff. I'm in the back because most of the time when you roll up on these, what happens when the team comes to the front? Bad guy... Shoots out the back. Yeah, runs out the back. And the best tool to catch a running bad guy is a police canine. So I'm in back with Stinger in the, our armored vehicle, what we call a Bearcat. And sure, sure enough, as luck would have it, this guy actually comes walking out the front door. Now he walks out the front door in just gray sweatshorts, no shirt, no shoes. 
and he's kind of got his hands up and he's not obeying the the commands of the officers in front to you know hey get on the ground or come to us and keep your hands up and he then goes back into the house i'm in the back still waiting for him to come running out the back door which of course never happens and my sergeant calls me up and says hey this guy's looking for somewhere to run he goes in and out of the house several times and each time he comes out he gets a little bit further as he gets almost to the street i'm just coming around to the front of the house in front of the uh, uh, armored vehicle that's parked in front. Now, this is about midway through my career, and Stinger's a seasoned dog. I was a seasoned handler. We thought, you know, we got this. This is just another day at the office. Stinger, at this point, had captured dozens and dozens of bad guys, so this is just another day. Bad guy comes out, he gets almost to the street, and the sergeant says if he makes it to the street, he's probably going to run, and uh-oh, it's going to be ugly if we have to go chase this guy and try to find him. So what we do, come up with a plan. If he makes it to the street, we're going to go ahead and deploy the dog, because the dog's going to make it to the bad guy far faster than bad guy's going to make it to his front door. That's the plan. Now, again, my confidence is high. I've done this dozens of times. My dog is, is street worthy. I'm there with one of the best SWAT teams in the country. We got this. Bad guy gets to the street and he tries to escape. Stinger sees him, takes off, and boom, does what he's supposed to do. Launches up. Bad guy puts his arm out to kind of block and Stinger gives him a good bite to his lower forearm. Now, these dogs can bite anywhere from, there's actually meters, and gosh, uh, we, we had somebody bring out, I think it was a, a doctor, one of the vets, bring out one of these bite meters one time, and we were able to test the pressure, and I want to say some of them were up to five, 600 pounds per square inch. Do you remember that? I mean, that's... It's a lot of pressure. It is, and, and if you've been in the dog world long enough, as Leslie and I have, you're going to get bit. Every once in a while, we try to limit those times, but unfortunately, it does happen. And tell me I'm crazy, but it hurts pretty bad. It hurts really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so Stinger jumps up, bad guy puts his arm up, a really nice bite. And I'm thinking, okay, game over. This is a really bad guy off the street. As that happens, to my surprise, the bad guy spins around, bends over, picks up. My police dog turns and runs back into the house. Now, when I see this, any of us that have been in that uh, uh, crisis moment of stress and, and anxiety and you're, I'm standing there not believing what I'm seeing. There's no way. Now, I've written books. I've written operations manuals, training manuals. And I'm saying to myself in the split second, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. Where is it in the books that it says, if suspect steals police dog, see page three, paragraph two, it's just not in there. It's just not in there. Didn't know what to do. And once again, uh, to the credit of the team that I'm with, instinct took over because that's my boy. That's my partner. And there's no way I'm going to let him go into that house by himself. So instinct took over and I took off. Without saying a word, there was nothing. I didn't have to yell to anybody. I didn't have to say anything. The team came right 
right behind me. Now I'm running, trying to get to the door, and I'm seeing the bad guy go into the house. Now my dog is still on the bike. He's just still hanging onto his arm, and bad guy's carrying him like uh, luggage, just carrying him right in the front door. Still not believing what I'm seeing, I'm running towards the front door, and I'm trying to get there as fast as I can. With all of our equipment on, we're not so fast, and I just get to the door. As I get to the door, I see it start to shut, which scares me because now, and we knew from intelligence prior that there were several other people in the house, and this whole house is known for selling drugs and guns and to include this guy who's wanted for homicide. So even going in that house was a a, a very scary and dangerous thing. As I get to the door and it starts to shut, I remember just reaching my foot out as far as I can. Just get it inside the door and the door slams against my foot but doesn't shut. Now I'm already having a bad day. When someone steals your police dog, that's a bad day. Then it gets worse. It gets worse because right behind me is probably one of the biggest, strongest men I've ever met. Jake Stevenson, he's still... Works on our unit today. One amazing SWAT operator. He's right behind me. He sees me start to fall down and he grabs a hold of me, picks me up, and I mean picks me up. My feet are off the ground and pushes through the door and now I become the human shield. That's a bad feeling. So as we get in the house, the whole rest of the team is right behind us. Uh, Jake and I go right to the, the bad guy. And to my surprise, once again, the dog is still hanging on to the arm. As I come up to him, I'm scared to death. I'm panicked. My heart's pounding through my chest. I'm emotional. It's, it's unbelievable what's happening, but I know I still have a job to do. As I go to the dog, the bad guy has got his hand on his muzzle trying to pry his mouth off. and. My dog's back two paws are on the couch because they're standing in front of the couch. And my dog looks over at me as if to say, hey, where you been? I got him. His tail's going 100 miles an hour. He's having a blast. I'm scared to death and stressed beyond belief. And he's thinking, dad, I got him. We got him right here. Glad to see you. Glad you're here. But what are you so worried about? We end up, uh, bad guy gives up, we get him in handcuffs, the rest of the house is is, uh, dominated by the SWAT team, and everybody's safe. But for me, what I learned from that day was, one, these dogs, when we say fearless, they are truly fearless. They, They don't know the danger that they're in. For them, that's just their job, and they're going in, they're going in with their team or their pack which is us, and they have a job to do. They love to do it, and that showed me by the way his tail was wagging so hard. He was just happy, happy that he had caught his bad guy. The other thing is we are a team, and canine handlers out there, you guys have to understand something, that you are a team. These dogs are amazing, but you have to be there to get their back as well as they are there to get yours. So don't put all of your confidence into that dog to take care of every last situation. You are a team. And to realize that and understand that now, that the dogs, yes, they do apprehend bad guys, but it's 
we have to keep it in our mindset that we are a team. So if the dog goes in, you got to go or prepare, be prepared to go in with them. So that's the, that's the key point to that story is that uh, the dogs are amazing. They love what they do and they truly have no fear. That's Brett. Amazing story. Uh, you know, I'm former SWAT guy, so I'm, I'm sitting here just kind of reliving this whole thing in my head as it's going planned out, out here. I have a couple questions for you about this. If uh, I think the audience might be uh, pretty interested in, in what your answers are to these. Absolutely. You down with that? For sure. Heck yeah. All right. Because yeah. this, this is a really interesting situation that you're in. And you go back to the training that the team does. A cool part about your team is your team trains with the dog. That's right. That's right. And you see so many tactical teams around the country that don't necessarily train with the dog. Maybe, you know, once or twice a year, they bring the dog in to have a bad guy put on a bite sleeve or a suit and he runs through the house or they gas him or something like that. And he runs out and the dog bites him. But your team actually trains on a regular basis. I mean, they, you know, you guys eat together. Yes. So, yeah. And, yeah. and the dog's around. It's, it, it begs the question of how good do you see and do you think the training integration is between teams and dogs around the country? And is this something that they should be thinking about is, is there a, a compromise situation caused by the dog and is the team prepared to move on that? Or are they going to be standing there looking at each other going, what do we do next? Yeah, that's a, a, a great question. Great way to look at it. And you're absolutely right. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Adam was a uh, SWAT commander for, for uh, um, one of our uh, bigger counties here in Denver. And he knows the importance of, of having a dog on that team. But to answer the question, yeah, if the way I look at it is this, every SWAT team in the country should have a good solid canine component. And a good solid canine compo component is one that trains with them all the time, not just once a month, not just a couple times a year. It has to be that team mentality. The dog has to be so used to the guys and vice versa. And I don't see that a lot. I see a lot of SWAT teams are, are hesitant to have that dog assigned, to hesitant to use that dog. And there are so many things that that dog can do to augment that team, to make it safer. And that's the number one thing is to make it safer. So when I teach SWAT teams the importance of a dog, the number one I, thing I teach is safety. Safety is paramount. Number two is the location aspect of it. Robots and looky-loo cameras, all those things are great, but there is still, in my opinion, nothing better than putting a nose on that door to see who's behind it, see if somebody's behind it, or put that nose inside that closet. So that's number two. Number three is distraction. Just by having the dog there to distract the suspect, that gives that team, that gives the cops such an, a, a major advantage of just the bad guy knowing the dog is there, gets in his head, scares the heck out of him, and it's a huge distraction. And then the final portion of it to the story I just shared with you is the apprehension part. Yes, they can apprehend bad guys. Yes, they can do it so much safer than we can, uh, but we still have to be prepared to jump in and help them. So again, great question. Every SWAT guy that listens to this, any police department that's out there, if you're utilizing your SWAT team, they should have a canine component to it. And that's going to make people or the, the officers so much safer. That's, that's a perfect answer. I, I love that from, from a 
a command perspective as well as a, a an operator perspective. You know, you you've got to be comfortable with that situation. Now, here's another one though. You went from handler to breacher and point man in the blink of an eye. There. Yeah, I, I mean, really, you you did because that was that was the transition that you made because you weren't just going to be the first guy in that room. Had there been an immediate threat as the first guy in that room, your job would not have been to go get your dog. It would have been to deal with that threat. So as far as a canine handler being able to make that transition, because so many times you're, you're focused on your dog, you're watching the uh, indications that the dog's giving, uh, what are they saying? So you can coordinate with the team. But if you're the first guy in the door, you've got to be able to understand the principles of, of entry how to deal with those situations as appointment, because that is a very specialized position as well. How do you, you know, I, I understand that you train up with your team, but what are your recommendations for other handlers, patrol handlers, things like that, that might find themselves in this situation? So hopefully no one ever finds themselves in that situation that I was just in. Uh, but yes, you're right. I made it a point and my team makes it a point that I know how they enter rooms. I train with them how to enter rooms. I train with them uh, on most of the aspects of their job because sometimes you're going to be put in that position. And canine handlers need to understand if they are going to be in that uh, SWAT realm and deploying with a team, then they have to be pretty well versed on how that team moves, not just how, but why they do it. And they need to integrate themselves in it as well. So what I tell canine handlers is... If you're going to be a canine handler, you are elevated as far as the missions that you're going to be put into. You're going to be put into probably the most dangerous of situations because of the dog. That dog is there to save lives. With that being said, every canine handler should go and take and go through a good SWAT training program. A canine handler should have the knowledge of a SWAT operator. And then that way, when you do get thrown into those situations, you're ready to go and you're not walking into that door, not knowing what you should do, not knowing which way to go. So canine handlers, if you're going to work a dog, and especially if you're going to be around a canine team, you have to darn sure make sure that you go through a good, solid, qualified SWAT school, not a certified, qualified SWAT school. And that's, that's the key. We all got to be prepared. We have a dangerous job. Awesome, Brett. Thank you for answering my questions. Uh, final wrap-up thoughts? Final wrap-up thoughts, guys. Um, dogs are amazing. And they are a life-saving tool. So train hard, train right. And remember, when you're out there, be a good dog. Thanks for tuning in to Dog Disruption, your source for better dog training, obedience, systems, techniques, equipment, and stories. Hosted by Brett and Leslie Titus, SWAT and police canine handlers. Be sure to subscribe to the Dog Disruption Podcast wherever you get your podcast, and of course, leave a review. Also, don't forget to follow Dog Disruption on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find us at dogdisruption.com. And as always, be a good dog.